back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform and drive you to get stronger, fitter and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset and more, as well as talking with guests on their area of expertise. Today, I was joined by Dustin LaBelle. Dustin is an online coach who, alongside coaching me, works with individuals who want a broader approach to fitness. We discuss the principles that guide his coaching and training philosophies, what he views as the main elements of both strength and conditioning training training methods, both individually and together. And then finally, we use my own training as a case study example of how Dustin practically applies all that we discuss to his training clients. With that, let's get into today's show. Cool. So we're live. Uh, I'm here with uh, Dustin. Um, I think what would be really cool is if you could just intro yourself briefly. So kind of how you got into coaching, training, uh, and that kind of whole sell yourself spiel. Uh, sure. Yeah. My name is uh, Dustin LaBelle and I got into coaching uh, about 15 years ago now, um, basically because it was the only job I could get where I could train martial arts at the gym that my coach was operating his business out of and not have to travel back and forth. So I started, uh, you know, kind of working at the front desk, but I was always really into, into fitness, always really into the training aspect of things, um, became a personal trainer, you know, got my standard CPT and basically haven't looked back since. And I've been working in the fitness industry in some capacity in some form or another since then, um, switched to primarily online, or I should say all online. Uh, about three years ago now. Um, so kind of before uh, the uh, worldwide pandemic has hit. So I was a little bit uh, prepared, I guess, for our current situation. But, um, you know, so I, I left the facility where I was at and, you know, started working online, mainly because I, I like the freedom and flexibility uh, from working from home um, and always wanted to have that opportunity and, and took it um, at that point in time. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think yeah, you got in there early with the uh, the online the online side of it. I think that's the way, it's the way the industry is shifting. Certainly, um, at least in the it has its, uh, yeah, it has its plus and minuses. You know, pluses and minuses. I should say. You know, it's I definitely miss aspects of the in person um, coaching. You know, in terms of like actually being with real people and having real yeah. conversations and you know seeing things with your own eyes, but. Um, yeah, man, I, I love uh, working from home and kind of just having my own routine very much. So I want to trade it for anything. Oh, yeah, so there's, there's, there's pluses and minuses. Like there's, there's some elements of it where it's like you you open yourself up to a whole new world of clients. But then on the other side of it, like there's other people who it's probably not as suitable for. So there's those guys that you maybe would have trained in person. Like it's just they're maybe not as accessible in terms of like for, the online world. But For sure. Um, yeah, you need d- different clientele, different kind of mentality when it comes to your workflow and how you you know how to actually maintain a workflow when no one has to tell you to be anywhere or do anything <laughs> so yeah it's a little bit different yeah there's a whole list of things that you'd never realize that you're actually going to become when you when you kind of move into an online world of coaching like and all business sure. as yeah. kind of from that point of view yeah <laughs> it's something i'm finding finding as well that it's like i didn't realize i'd have to have like 10 different hats on <laughs> all the time at all at all times yeah for sure cool so i think it'd be cool to transition into um talking about training i mean that's yeah that's kind yeah. of like the, the the big topic that i think would be cool to, to chat around so um very broad question this but what, what do you what would you say are some of like the real big rock principles that you you find have, have been guiding your your coaching um maybe sort of a few years ago and then how that's transitioned into to now you know, I mean, I think over the course of anybody's career, you kind of start on on one path and you learn from one mentor or group of mentorships or, you know, other people you might even like, for lack of a better term, idolize in the field, right? And then you kind of take on their approach, you mimic their approach as best you can. And then as kind of time goes on, you know, you ebb and flow through that. So you might go through multiple periods of that where you find a new mentor or a new, you know, uh, person in the field to, to really look up to. Um, 
and that kind of guides you along. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm not at the point where I'm not um, excluding any of that. I'm, I'm still constantly um, finding people in the field that I, I gravitate towards, or you know, they have a certain message that I find to be really appealing. But, you know, for me at, at this point in time, um, it's taking a look at the big picture of training, you know, and, and really taking that, we'll call it the 30,000 foot view and, you know, looking at the individual as a whole, whether it's somebody that you coach or yourself, understanding what's, what are all the, what are all the components that we're kind of always balancing and finding ways to just nudge those forward, you know, without letting one particularly drop off, you know, or, you know, worst case scenario, you know, causing uh, either injury, burnout, you know, you, you name it. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I have a, you know, here's my philosophy on training and, and here's how I view training. I mean, I, I tend to write a lot and I use that as a way of expression and, and getting that, those points across mainly because I'm still trying to figure all that out. Um, but it is more of a big picture approach. It's looking at principles over systems. It's understanding that what I say today is subject to change tomorrow. You know what I mean? And I think being okay with that and, and rather than being um, feeling like I'm in prison to my viewpoints, you know, and I'm always willing to, to change. So not, I don't know if that's a great answer, but that's kind of where my, my head is at. We'll get probably get into more of those as this, you know, goes on, but. You know, I was going to say, I think it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like you, you, you can, I think we, as coaches, we can all fall into that trap of the kind of, it depends sort of um yeah. sort of space. Um, but it does. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot that it depends on. And as you said, very, like as you said, like, what it depends on can change and your opinion on what things depend on can change on a daily basis. Like you sort of uncover new information, find someone else who, who's sort of approaching something in a, in a certain way and you can go out, like, everything works to a degree. And I think mm -hmm. it's just finding those things that, that you can apply that work best for you in whatever given situation that might be. Um, I know I've seen some, so I'm, I'm, I follow quite a lot, obviously, what the writing you do. I'm mean, my coach, so I, I tend to um, sort of read into a lot of what you do in your sort of newsletter. What would you say are kind of like the, some of the maybe top five, top three elements that you think everybody should in some capacity be be aiming for in their training? I, I think it's important to understand <clears throat> what what you're trying to actually achieve from your training. You know what I mean? And, and it doesn't even need to be, I don't think like a concrete goal necessarily. Like I want to run X, an X minute mile, or I want to, you know, bench press X kilos of weight. It can be. And I think that's certainly useful. And we talk about that as coaches a lot. Right. But I think it's having an overarching view of what do you want from your training? Like, what is that? What does that look like at the end of the day for you? And once you understand that, then you can kind of start to break down like what are the like I was saying before what are the components of making that happen and then providing enough of a stimulus to kind of slowly raise you know I talk about raising the the floor and the ceiling kind of simultaneously and what do you have to do to kind of bring those two things up continually over time without you know needing to necessarily you know we, we are going to fall backwards it is kind of like a take two steps back, one step forward kind of thing, but without falling on your ass, so to speak. And, and, you know, getting to the point where you, you know, you need to kind of like start over or you need, you know, you, you hear about these monster deloads that people are, are constantly taking or making dramatic changes to their training. But how do we, I love the term, how do we keep the ball rolling? I, I love that. Um, from a track and field coach, I stole that from whose name is totally escaping me right now, but I, I love that saying because the idea is not to necessarily do the most amount of work possible to achieve the, the stimulus that you're trying to, but to do what's necessary. Um, that would be kind of one overarching principle that I, I kind of, I look at, um, you know, the other one is, is, and this is kind of like a Dan John ism, but uh, training does not exist in a vacuum, you know, and it has to kind of coincide with whatever is going on in your life. So I think we, have all run into this, whether ourselves or with clients where you want a certain goal, but your lifestyle may not be conducive towards achieving that particular goal, or 
you may not have the capacity to handle the kind of training necessary to acquire that goal in the time frame that you want to. So it's just understanding the give and take, the ebb and flow, whatever you want to call it, between training and life and being able to be flexible enough to make changes on the fly, you know, to call an audible when needed, um, but also having just enough structure to keep things humming along because it's very easy to fall off track and it's very, you know, um, it's easy to maybe to get blindsided by the next shiny thing or whatever the case might be. But if you kind of have a, a general route that you're trying to take and this kind of under understanding that it's okay if things change or it's okay if we make subtle adjustments, then, then you, you're, you're still going to kind of move in a forward direction and feel like you're at least making progress as you get closer and closer to that, to that larger goal or that bigger picture goal. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Like if you've got that kind of that thing you're aiming for, even if it's not, as you said, like a concrete like minute mile goal or, or I want to lift X amount of weight, um, even if it's kind of like more of a transient just idea, like mm -hmm. at least if you've got yeah, it's a, a kind of a, a set of bumpers, if you like, either side of that that you can kind of bounce around within that however you want but it's still going to guide you overall to the right place um i think that can be really powerful yeah and i think it, it it can make a huge difference to someone's training yeah it's it's kind of this idea and I, I was writing a little bit about this maybe a week or two ago of like what you just said like i call it bumper style or guardrail style programming where we have bumpers or guardrails to kind of keep us on track versus tightrope programming where you walk a tightrope what happens one step you're you're a goner right but it's really that's all in our head you know what i mean like we we know that the program at the end of the day at the end of the day isn't going to make or break you it's your consistency and the consistent effort over a long period of time hence why i like that idea of having enough structure to stay on task having enough structure and some people need more or less structure it depends on you know your personality type kind of how you respond best but we all need a certain amount, right? We can't just make up what we do every single day, but there, there definitely, I think is room to uh, improvise if needed or call an audible if needed or auto-regulate, whatever the word uh, of the day is. Um, so that A, you can continue to enjoy training, which I think is a, a huge component of actually making progress. Like you need to enjoy what you're doing. Um, maybe not right in the moment, you know, but it's, it's definitely having that, that carrot that you're constantly chasing to kind of keep you uh, engaged. Um, and, you know, also by having a little bit of that flexibility there, it's, it's great for when life actually happens and you know that life can and will happen and it's not going to throw you off from your goals because you understand inherently that there is built in flexibility. I don't need to necessarily follow this, you know, strict program uh, and I can still actually get towards what, where I'm going to get to and maybe even a little bit faster, or should I say like without bumps and bruises, because you're just not as, uh, you know, um, what's the word like fanatical about having to actually, you know, follow, uh, these very strict guidelines, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, in my own training, I've made more progress under your kind of tutelage in the last six months with that kind of yeah general idea of here's some general goals and here's what we're aiming for than, I have in previous times when I've had kind of laser focus on one thing and everything has been kind of very heavily structured towards getting to that. So I think it's been, as, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting concept in that, in that regard that I think makes a lot of sense really, doesn't it? That um, Yeah. And it's, it's thinking beyond like sets and reps and certain protocols and just on understanding, I, I think, um, human beings as a whole, you know what I mean? Like you're looking at the human being, you're not, it's not just about physiology. It's not just about biomechanics. It's just not, not just about physics or any of these things. It's about everything, but it's also about you as a person and how you feel about how you're, you know, now we don't like to talk about feelings in strength conditioning because we like to be objective. Right. But there is certainly a lot of subjectivity towards what we do. And if I've, if I've made any one change, I should say, kind of going back to a previous question over the last maybe couple of years, and I would say even more recently, it's understanding that aspect, um, that 
how you feel matters. And we're not, you know, in the Soviet Union, you know, and, and having to follow periodized programs to feed our families. Um, we're doing this for fun because we enjoy it. And, you know, because it brings something to our lives. And I think sometimes if we're too uh, myopic or myopic or, or strict with certain things, and it, it kind of takes away with some of the fun. And uh, there's always the argument of like, well, what's more fun, you know, making progress or, or having fun in your training. And I get, I, I get that, but I think we're not talking about the same things. And if that's the argument I'm talking about still having structure, having, uh, you know, um, kind of uh, an, an end goal in, in sight or a direction that you're wanting to go wanting to go in but at, at least acknowledging the fact that hey we're we're people man and if if i don't enjoy doing this yeah you and i are 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 addicts right to a degree and we're probably going to do it no matter what but i promise you you will have way you will enjoy training more and probably make a lot more progress when you you know when you actually like what you're doing to to a degree right I think that plays into that the kind of a, the the real fascination with motivation as a kind of concept, doesn't it? Because it's like people kind of rely on this idea of like motivation so heavily sometimes. But it's like, well, if you're relying so heavily on motivation to get you through these things, like that kind of indicates to me at least that it's so much of a burden, like mentally, physically, whatever, that you don't really want to be doing it. And if that's if that's the case, like, and you're not a, a, an athlete who does this because it pays the bills like something's gone wrong there in that respect and like you've um and yeah you've kind of missed the point along the line there somewhere and it's probably then a a case of you need to kind of take a step backwards not be so kind of confined to the reps and sets and maybe think about the bigger picture yeah and i think i think like you're saying constantly needing that motivational feed coming into your life. I think that just like you said, it's a huge, it becomes a burden more than anything else because then what happens that day you wake up and it's just not there. Does that mean you stop training? Does that mean you stop trying? No, it's, it, it's, it's not always there. I'm, you know, it's, we know that we know motivation is, is a fleeting idea. And, you know, we could talk about intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic, extrinsic, excuse me. We could talk about, you know, uh, kind of like having a greater purpose or whatever the case is. But as we know, and this is kind of, this falls on the idea of, you know, not only motivation, but habit forming. And then how do we actually form habits? Uh, There's a lot at play there, but it's not, it's not one thing, right? It's not snorting pre-workout and, you know, needing to watch whatever Instagram video to get pumped up to train. And sometimes you just got to like punch the clock, do the thing and move on with it. Like don't even, you know, try to uh, judge it in, in any particular way, whether it's good or bad, just kind of like check the box. And that becomes kind of the, for me anyway, you know, the enjoyment of like, yeah, I did the thing. It went okay. Like it doesn't need to go great every day. Like the days it goes great. You're like, hell yeah. Like that's why you check the boxes and that's why you kind of do the monotonous sometimes thing, which is kind of, you know, it kind of goes against what I just said about having fun, but that's, that's for that, two things can be the same and different at the same time. Right. It's like, we need to kind of understand that there's always that pull, like that give and take between doing what you got to do to make progress. And then also, you know, the enjoyment factor that I was talking about earlier. I think like the overarching thing that's more fun than anything is results. Like at the end of the day, and the thing that gets you results is, is kind of really aggressive consistency to a plan and, and, there's flexibility obviously within that and the the plan itself probably doesn't matter all that much but it's the consistency to that because that's what gives you results and at the end of the day no matter what someone kind of puts out there is the superficial top level thing of why they're doing this like it's results that they got it comes back to like you want to be better at point b than you were at point a like and how you get there doesn't really matter at the end of the day and like the ups and downs that go along that don't really matter I think it's from a practical perspective, it's like it's my my shift as a coach has been yeah, to have that kind of more I call it holistic view of, of yeah. people as a whole rather than just the sets and reps, which is interesting. It's kind of very counter to my kind of academic experience as in sports science as an SNC coach within that kind of academic space where things are very much kind of like objective numbers focused 
and then taking it into the real world and being like you can quote all the research studies you want but that doesn't account for the person that's actually sitting in front of you at the end of the day like they aren't the average that conforms to whatever study you might be quoting like they're they're a real person who even even in sort of like the elite sense as an athlete like has all these other things going on in life that that can do have an effect on anything else well i think it all a lot of it falls on belief too right like how many examples can we think of of high level elite athletes doing dumb stuff in their training but they're the best still and we can argue all the different points about like what they're doing wrong, what they could be doing better. But the fact of the matter is that that athlete believes that what they're doing is the best. Like the, the common example is LeBron doing, you know, those, those awful looking squats. Right. And and we can pick, pick at LeBron's strength and conditioning and, and try to pick it apart and see what we could do better. But the bottom line is that dude could pay anybody in the world who he wants to be his coach, but he believes that coach has his best interest in mind and he believes in that program. And guess what? LeBron is still the best basketball player on the planet, hands down. Right. Um, but we can think of any athlete who. So the yeah, Hollywood trainer, isn't it? Who charges thousands of pounds, dollars an hour for their services. And it's like what they're delivering is no different to, to probably 90% of the other trainers. It's just, they've got that belief structure behind them of like, someone along the lines believed in them and then it kind of has that roll on effect doesn't it yeah and i'm not saying it's good or bad or indifferent or anything it just it just is you know what i mean so belief in training i think it's just critical and then like i'll give a personal example of, of kind of how that's shifted some things for me recently so before we kind of hopped on here we were talking about how um, for my own training, I, I, and I've been talking about this on social media, I break it up into like chunks throughout the day, you know, these 10, 15, 20 minute blocks spread throughout the day to kind of make up about an hour worth of training. And now, you know, a couple of years ago, if you had suggested I do that, like you're out of your mind, like I, I want to get the whole, the session done in one, one shot. If I can't do it in one shot, it's not even worth doing it. But I kind of had this shift in perspective where I was like, I have no other option. I'm either going to do that or I'm not going to train or I'm going to have to, you know, I don't want to wake up at like the ass crack at dawn and, and do my work. Like I kind of like getting my sleep and, and not having to do that. And wouldn't you know, because I believe that to be what exact, what I need to be doing, training's been going great. And I like, I just don't sweat the details. And because I believe that I don't need to sweat the details, I'm enjoying training as much as I have maybe ever and seeing results that I haven't seen in years um, with far less of a structured program. And also this idea of like, just doing a little bit here and there. I have structure. I have a general guideline, but I'm I'm believing that I don't ne necessarily need to adhere to um, like a really strict set of guidelines or an exact uh, you know periodized program. Which is something we can maybe talk about at a later date. But yeah, that's kind of where my head is at right now. But if, kind of bringing this all back together. If, I think a lot of it just tie, it falls on belief. And if you can get your clients to believe in what they're doing and if they understand to a degree of why they're doing what they're doing and they fully believe in it, they're going to enjoy the training more. They're going to make more progress. Um, I think as, as you, as you alluded to and, you buy -in, know, isn't it at the end of the day, it's buy in. If you can get buy in from someone like they, they can do near enough anything and they'll probably get better results than say, it's always the old kind of adage, isn't it? Of like the worst program in the world works very well if someone believes in it versus the best program if someone doesn't sure and i and i think there's a communication style that certainly works like you and i get along because it's it just kind of like our my nature and your nature we kind of call you know we kind of make this thing work but there are certain people who i haven't worked well with because it just like you know i just my communication style or i should say my lack of perhaps wanting to adjust at that point in time but you know getting older i'm learning and making those um changes as i as i see fit at this point in time you know yeah yeah i think yeah say that like that just comes down to probably i think the the way someone coach i think it's yeah if you're seeking out a coach it's more than just like what can they get give me in terms of like the the actual program side of it like the nuts and bolts of it it's like do I actually get on with them as a person? Do like, do we kind of blend well together? Like, 
do is there yeah so their communication style does that fit with me i think it's more than just kind of yeah it is more than just the yeah, the, the the nuts and bolts of an actual training program that that make a good working relationship and ultimately then get results from that yeah i think it'd be cool to um segue now into what we sort of going to talk about a little bit is in terms of like I mean, it's got a million and one different names, hybrid, concurrent training, whatever you want to call it, kind of just a mixture of strength and conditioning factors that kind of like that holistic program that takes into account a little bit of everything. Um, Big, big question first. So big kind of broad question, like what would your general approach be when that is the focus, that is the goal? Well, I, I think if, if we're looking at both of those things or multiple qualities that we're trying to build at any given time, whether it's, you know, we're using the word conditioning, but it could mean that can mean a number of things, but we could be looking at speed and power. Uh, we'll use athleticism as another broad word, strength, whatever the case might be. Again, I, I think it goes back to what I said way in the beginning, where we're trying to spin all these different plates and how do we come up with a rinse and repeat structure that will allow us to do that um, without needing to, to deload, without uh, burning out, without, you know, incurring injury or anything, any of these things. So, you know, when, when it comes to, when it comes to that, the, I think the first thing, and I, I talk about this quite a bit in my writing, but is, is developing a weekly structure that um, again, I use the word rinse and repeat, something you can do week in, week out um, and allow you to, see maybe maybe not the fastest changes you know what i mean we could do it faster for sure you know what i mean but gradual progress over time and you know without beating the crap out of you you know i I, before we got on the call we were kind of discussing a little bit of like health versus performance and riding that fine line you know And, and the reality is for most people you and i you know probably most of the people listening to this um training is yeah, we care about our performance. We want to see those numbers continually rise and we enjoy that aspect of it, but we're also concerned with our health, right? And we understand that, or you and I at least conceptually understand that we can't chase performance in the absence of health. And so there needs to be that balance in training so that, you know, not only are you kind of on this trajectory towards your goals, but you're being mindful of not just your physical health, obviously, but, you know, if, if you're training six or seven hours a day or whatever the number is, what do you all, what, what do you have time for after that? You know, it's like the, the psychological aspect, the mental health component of, of training. And I think there needs to be a balance there, which is sometimes a word we don't like in strength conditioning because we want to believe that we're, um, you know, we're, that, that's not us. Like I can get away with it. Right. For maybe for now, but eventually you're going to reach the point where a little bit performance at all costs, isn't it? Like yeah. that into it a lot of the time. And, and we've seen that we're not going to name the sports that we've seen that most in, but I I've seen it kind of cycle through over the years, right. Where people are chasing a particular goal when really they're, they're trying to chase that goal without knowing why they're, they're chasing it. Right. And, it, and it kind of to get a little woo woo for a moment, I think it's, it's important to understand like, why do you want this thing? Like, what does it really mean to you? Um, do you understand the implications of, of what it's going to take to train for that thing? And then are you willing to take your time to get there? You know, and, and just because I, I mean, I'm not in the business of like fast tracking anybody on, on the way to their goals. Um, just because I, I think we can do it, but I just know it's not a good long-term strategy. Um, and as long as you are comfortable with that, then we can kind of move forward. So first and foremost, developing a weekly structure. A plan. It doesn't have to be, you know, we could talk about high, low, and it doesn't have to necessarily be that, but it just needs to be a plan to kind of fall back on, regardless of what happens. Kind of like worst case scenario, what can you do? I can do that. I can train this day, this day, this day, and I can kind of, you know, work this hard on one day, this hard on another day, this hard on another day. We can get into the different modalities. Um, and then from there, deciding like, well, what's your, what's your goal? And what's the timeline for that goal? Um, you know, in your instance, or in your case, you know, we've been kind of base building for the last however many months. But now as we get closer to your your race that, you know, your race is in the summer, we're going to have to slowly titrate up, you know, the amount of running volume that you're doing. Um, and we got pretty high before, right? And it's kind of, we kind of saw this as arc up, come back down, and now we're kind of swinging back up. 
you know, because we can't stay here year round. It's just a bad idea, you know. And, and I think in terms of your the it enjoyment, would be a very miserable January. I think if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, and it's like we all want to believe we can do it, and I, I think we've all fallen guilty. You know, have been guilty of that at one point or another. But really, the best training comes when you actually like. You know, this kind of we're repeating the same mantra, but when you actually enjoy it. And so having whether we're calling it periodization or whatever, but a general plan of how you want your, your year to look, what that's going to look like as your contest, whatever that might be approaches. And then the rest of the time, just kind of like slowly, you know, raising the base, um, you know, whether in, in your end, it's building some top end speed via the use of, of strides and things of that nature, um, along with just like the general aerobic base. So, you know, in your program, we do quite a bit of easy running. Um, just enough hard running to kind of maintain that quality uh a little bit of uh not we won't call it sprinting at this point in time but harder running if you will kind of built into your to your runs and it's just allowed for this easy kind of progression and then once we transition into uh greater volumes and and perhaps you know different kinds of intensities you're going to be well prepared for it both physically you know and and also psychologically like it's not going to feel like this daunting task when we push you up to four to five hours a week, potentially of running, you know, which is not unheard of for the types of distances that you want to compete in. Yeah. I think, yeah, was, I think we discussed and it'd be cool to, to use me as a kind of a case study in this respect, but talking about kind of my goal specifically, but also generally around those kind of like the, the running and the strength training. Um, what, in terms of the strength side of that, what what do you see as the the priorities? What are the the main the the main elements that, that everybody should probably try and, and aim for in that respect? Well, I you know I, I think there's a couple of things uh, at play. I think number one, um, kind of looking at the speed strength spectrum, I think is useful, right? So uh, on the end towards on the speed end, right, we're looking at things like basic plyometrics, jumping, throwing, um, perhaps sprinting, things of that nature, right? Or it could be even like lower level, like extensive type plyometrics, things like pogo hop, skipping, you know, jumping rope, whatever the case is, kind of building that, that elasticity, that, that base of support for, um, you know, moving your own body fast, right? Uh, and then along the lines, you know, we probably need some heavier strength training, you know, and heavier is relative, but I think there's a lot of benefit to be had in that like 60 to 80% range. Um, you know, looking at both loading on the bar and, uh, like velocity, like bar velocity, I think is, is really useful, especially for hybrid athletes, um, which we'll just use that word now, um, where, you know, quite frankly, like you got a lot of things that you're, you're trying to kind of maintain at the same time and, you know, heavier lifting in the, you know, 85, 90 plus percent range may not always be there, or it can, it can kind of weigh on you mentally when you go to touch that weight. And it just like, it's just not there. And I'm not saying it's not possible, but there's something about moving moderate weights fast that you can do all the time to kind of slowly raise that minimum. And like, you know, I look at somebody like Dan John is somebody who talks about this quite a bit, right? If anybody's familiar with easy strength and he, you know, he kind of talks about raising the 80% and just slowly kind of accumulating volume in that range. Um, so that you always kind of feel kind of fresh to a degree. I'm not saying to never train hard. I'm not saying to never push those big movements, you know, beyond a couple of reps in reserve. Um, but I think it's always a good idea to leave a little bit in the tank. Why? Because you got to come and train, you know, the next day you have a 40 minute tempo run or whatever the case is, and you want to not be totally thrashed for that. Um, and so the way I break down movements throughout any training week, I, I, and I've written about this quite a bit is, you know, you have your primary movements and these are your big bilateral sagittal plane, you know, squat variation, bench variation, deadlift variation. You know, if we're talking Bill Hartman's model of like looking at how we move fluid and air throughout our bodies, it's kind of like compression, that compression based, um, movement, uh, option, right. Where you need compression in order to move a lot of load. But then as we kind of move through that spectrum, that's where we would introduce other movements. I mean, and this is not atypical of any standard strength conditioning program, but you're gonna do some type of accessory work, 
where I categorize it just having like secondary and supplemental movements um, where we might be looking at either other um, either planes of movement, uh, other ways of expressing movement rather than compression. We might be using more of an expansion type strategy. So, you know, utilizing, utilizing different movement strategies, uh, different like fulcrums in terms of like force vectors that, you, you know, you see a lot of like, uh, for example, um, Kazen from N1, you know, he talks quite a bit about this. And it's just understanding like what, when it comes to your accessory work, you know, what, what are you missing in terms of like, what are you not getting from the rest of your training? Um, is it, is it something that you actually want to do? Like, I think there's room for experimentation there. And, you know, we talk about variability quite a bit in strength conditioning, but I think using your accessories to kind of touch on that variability aspect. And then, you know, I think good old fashioned bodybuilding, you know, just <laughs> getting in standard couple of sets of eight to 12 reps and some, you know, whether time under tension is necessarily indicative of hypertrophy or not. I don't think for the hybrid athlete, I don't necessarily look at that in terms of, is this best for hypertrophy, but I'm just looking for, is this stimulus being achieved any other way in the program? Like, is this a velocity kind of talking, like looking at like Pat Davidson's model, is this a velocity that we are touching on in training? And so using accessories to kind of touch on velocity as, as another component, you know, usually slower time, you know, slower tempos or longer amounts of time under tension, uh, along with, um, you know, different ranges of motion, things that you may not touch on in your bigger bilateral type movements. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of the thought process. And the way I, I like to weave that throughout the week is generally in a training day, you have your primary lift. So you have a big, one big bilateral movement, and then you have your accessories. So it's every day. I like, I like a total body uh, approach in this regard where you have a primary lift, let's say a squat, and then you would have a, you know, a secondary hinge pattern, uh, a supplemental press pattern, and usually some type of, you know, upper body pulling, whatever the case might be, whether it's vertical, horizontal, or, you know, triplanar, whatever the case might be. And then on the subsequent lifting days, you would do the kind of the opposite, a primary press, secondary squat, supplemental hinge, usually some, some sort of like knee, um, like flexion type exercise. Uh, and then along with, you know, upper body pulling and various bodybuilding accessories, if you will. Uh, and then finally a pull day, you know, primary pull, it's usually a secondary press. I usually like a supplemental, like a single leg movement on this day. And then, uh, again, further accessories of whatever you want to do at that point. Oh, yeah. So really having that kind of, um, that, that master structure, if you'd like to the week and, and, and viewing things in terms of movement patterns in that way is, is great because it, it allows so much, um, kind of flexibility within that so you might have someone come to you who has very specific strength goals it might be kind of like i want to hit x numbers on like the power lifting for example like squat bench mm -hmm. deadlift and so in that structure it works quite nicely because you just put in the competition lifts within those right. primary movements and then you build out the structure around that flip side to that someone who's got kind of very general strength goals or just they want to be stronger as a concept rather than kind of like here's the lifts i want to get better at like you can then fit into that that same structure like you're still working on the patterns that, that probably matter in that mm. respect but you, you can fit into that kind of the movements and the, the focuses that are less specific if you like in terms of like power lifting maybe but they're still moving you towards the same goal so i think that structure is nice in that respect because it it has so much flexibility in in its application there's a there's a lot of flexibility in it but also just enough like it actually kind of keeps you from doing too many different things. You know what I mean? It's like you have three options that you, and, and again, it can change on a week to week basis. I'm not married to any particular exercise or any particular uh, like movement pattern, but you know, in any given week, it's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to have a squat that I, you know, my primary squat, I'm going to have my secondary squat and then I'm going to have like a single leg. And it's like, do you need much more than that? You know what I mean? Cause we can go down the rabbit hole of doing, you know, 18 exercises in a training session, but it's always asking yourself why, you know I mean? Do I really need that? And I think when you're looking at the hybrid athlete or a generalist, right? It's like, we only want to do the amount of work that's necessary. And so we don't need every exercise under the sun. You know, if we, if, and I, I'm partial to like changing that, that last, that supplemental exercise more frequently, 
And so if you want to do a different, you know, single leg movement every single week, have like, I don't see the problem in that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't look at progressive overload in that fashion of like, we need to stay with the same exercise for, you know, the next 16 weeks in a row and progress it incrementally over time. I look at, is it like, are your big movement patterns kind of like moving in the right direction? You know what I mean? Are you kind of raising that 80% threshold? Is the bar moving well? Do you feel good? And then using the accessories to kind of like fill the gaps. And yeah, like progressive overload still matters at the end of the day. Like you don't want to, you know, I think it comes down to just good exercise selection too. Like, you you know, you want to do a, a, a reverse lunge one week and then a, I don't know, a single arm overhead, BOSU ball, rear foot elevated split squat the next week. Like those two things don't, you know, they're, we're now on, we're talking about like aliens, you know what I mean? We're on different planets, but if we're kind of like staying in the same general theme of things, I think there's a lot of room for exploration. And um, I also just think it's like wasted energy to like, care so much about accessories in the sense that if they move along, they'll move along. I think the organism as a whole, if we're getting stronger, I think it's going to show through on your primary, on your primary lifts. It's going to show through in your, in your sport, whatever they might be. And then the rest, I I'm kind of where I'm at lately with that. It's like, I don't, I don't sweat it as much, you know? Yeah. It's kind of the idea of keeping the goal, the goal, isn't it? And not, yeah not not deviating too far from what's actually making you better as as an athlete because if you take it into a sort of a more kind of traditional sport like everything's focused on getting you better at that sport so the 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 actual numbers within all of the snc world or strength training side of it really don't matter if you're getting better at your sport still um and same in this context of when you're training kind of generally, if you're getting stronger, if you're, if you're achieving the the bigger outcome goal that you're, you're focused on, like the numbers and, and, and the lifts and all that kind of stuff within it don't matter so much necessarily. Like they're just an indication of things moving in the right direction and, and less kind of a, a, a um, like a really important element to get hung up on too much. Yeah. And it all falls back on your goal. You know what I mean? Somebody who is strictly interested in hypertrophy, for example, they might hear that and be like, oh, no, what? Like, but I think you just have to keep in mind the goal. And if I was strictly interested in hypertrophy, that statement would probably be a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like, you probably do need to um, stick with certain exercises for longer and kind of follow that model a little bit more closely. But uh, as I'm finding, I think for the, the hybrid athlete, the generalist, whatever we want to call ourselves, um, I think there's a little bit more leeway there. And I think we can, we can experiment a little bit more with, with that, with our exercise selection there and not get so hung up on, like you said, the, some of the details in regards to, um, progressive overload for those particular movements. Which I think for a lot of coaches, that's kind of where like malfunction starts to come in and it just, you're like, ah, it doesn't work. (laughs) Like my head's exploding on this concept, but I think it's, yeah, you say as as a coach, you kind of as an SNC coach specifically, you have to rem- remember that at the end of the day, athletes, people working towards goals, sports, like that's their outcome is the most important element of that, not what you might think is is the kind of really important side of it, which is like, oh, we really need to make your back squat numbers go up by X amount. Like it, it doesn't matter if they're actually achieving the goals that they want be that something sports specific or be that kind of more of a generalist focused on, I just want to be able to move some more weight, be a bit stronger that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I think the problem is, I think the reason why we have that malfunction is because it's not so black and white. You know what I mean? It's not an easy answer or it's not just one answer. I think it's multiple answers. And I think sometimes you, you may want to stick with a certain exercise for a longer period of time and progressively overload progressively overload it. Why? Because you, you want to, and it's like, that's giving you, that's bringing you joy to your training. You know what I mean? Versus sometimes you might want to change that exercise on a near weekly basis because that's what you, again, that, that goes against almost everything I probably would have said a couple of years ago, but it's just a recent kind of like revelation that I've had in that again, going back to the enjoyment factor of training, like we can still enjoy this and still actually get to where we want to get to. And I think if we really take that 30,000 foot view and really just think hard about some of these things, I don't think they matter nearly as much as we think they do. Like the details matter, but they don't matter. Again, it's kind of like two things can be good and bad or the same and different. It's that like, I, I, 
I think we can largely ignore some of the details and make great progress and be just fine. And I think some other details we need to really kind of key in on. I think it all depends on where you are in your development um, and kind of what falls in with your personality and just how you view training as a whole, you know, but it's um, sometimes we need to hit the reset button, you know, and, and just realize that it's okay. Like we can take a chill pill. You can, you know, you can still like what you do. Um, and make progress such a novel concept isn't it <laughs> yes especially and enjoy training and still make progress it's not yeah. like mutually exclusive kind of concepts <laughs> yeah um, especially in social media when everything you know it's abs it's if you're not an absolutist like you're not getting as much attention but it is what it is you know yeah. you need to make some kind of inflammatory statement don't you otherwise no, no one cares what you think <laughs> Yeah, which is, is fine. Some people do that and they do that really well. Some people try and they're just not that good at it. So Yeah, but, yeah. No one's beating Pat Davidson at the game there, I don't think, in that respect. No. <laughs> and if anybody actually, like, reads what he says, he just says things to literally stir the pot. And then the next day will come and say the exact opposite thing. And it's so funny because, you know, people are like, they get so offended one day and then they're like, the next day they're, you know, they're back on the path. <laughs> like chasing their tails and he's just kind of like puppet strings above just got people exactly where he wants them and asking the questions that he wants people to to think about <laughs> so and, and i think as a coach too it's like it's important to realize you're not pat davidson and you're not or whoever the guy is like you could just be you and you can believe your own thing and those beliefs might change over time but i think that's like an important part of growth in all of this is like just understanding that it takes time, I think, to develop your own voice in this and develop your own principles in this. Uh, but that's part of the that's part of the process. And I think if someone really doesn't enjoy that, then they're they're probably in the field for the wrong reasons. Or you know, if they're just someone that likes to train, then you know, it's I think having your own principles is useful over the long term because it allows you to kind of see through some of the BS a little bit and make better decisions on your own. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Kind of talking back on previous point around the kind of strength training, obviously, I mean, we don't have to spend as long on this, this, but something I think would be interesting, obviously in my own training and kind of what I'd imagine or, or know quite a lot of people have been forced into, like where, what changes when it becomes a like body weight only environment? What, what changes in that respect? Yeah. I mean, just, I think I brought this up a comment recently under one of your workouts, like there's no loading. So it's like, we have to, uh, as I found, I think, be a little bit more creative. Um, also, there's an understanding that it's not going to be the same. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain amount, like at some point where I'm not saying always, cause I'm sure there's some staunch body weight advocates. They'll be like, no, you can make just as much progress. I, yeah. I, okay. I agree with that. Of course. But for the most part, it's like, we're limited in our resources. So we have to make the most of what we, you know, what we have. And it's, you know, providing enough of a stimulus to get some type of adaptation uh, and then not really sweating if we can't do everything that we want to do. There no worries. Obviously the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean was a step too far for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of, you know, as they're doing, or, you know, more repetitions, spending time under tension, whether it be with reps or slower tempos or like things like uh, isometrics. Um, and so they were actually able to uh, experience progress. Um, now, in your case, I think what we found was for us, it's not necessarily about making more progress at this point in time, per se, but doing what we can to avoid moving backwards so that, you know, as you just mentioned to me uh, earlier today, you know, you're going to be back into the gym next week. You're going to have access to weights next week. So hopefully what we've done up to this point in time is like not necessarily uh, require this huge, you know, this necessarily like this big kind of like lead up to the point where we're like training hard again and training hard again with weights, but we've done the work to actually maintain enough of a, you know, of a base called GPP, general physical preparedness, whatever. Um, so that when you can resume next week, we're, we're, we're kicking off running basically. Yeah. I think it's, that's something I've had to communicate with quite a few kind of clients recently as well as like through this period, like 
we might not be making huge steps forward and that that's okay because that's that's kind of like best case scenario for for the circumstances we're under and it i think yeah i think say for for people maybe with a lower training age like you can still make reasonable progress with very minimal loading or or body weight only even i think yeah it's, it becomes more more challenging probably the the kind of the stronger essentially someone is yeah but at least at a base level like you can you can make enough progress to stay stay where you are and kind of minimize the the kind of the the drop off if you like so that when you come back into whatever training that might be in in a gym kind of setting like you're just in a better position to to kind of hit the ground running as you said and and kind of bear in mind that it is the bigger picture still isn't it? it's the bigger picture of forward progress rather than kind of like oh well i'm just gonna not do anything until the gym is broken back up again and it's like well you can do that but that's going to put you back kind of years rather than like maybe being a couple of months back from where you might have ended up being had you have done something yeah and let, you know let's not forget like those old soviet models of periodization you know, a lot of times those guys would take uh, after like an Olympic cycle, they might take six months to just do body weight only training, you know, tumbling and gymnastics and, you know, all the stuff that you're doing right now in your training. And I think people forget that. Like they think because of social media, right. It's like, it's only cool if it can go on social media and like doing isometric split squats and, you know, rear foot elevated split squats with a 3030 tempo or, you know, push-ups. like none of that stuff is really that cool. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, me, you and I can geek out on it. And we like, we appreciate the simplicity of that stuff, but it just, just doesn't show the same, but you know, the people who've had good success, you know, over this time period were the people who I've been able to kind of communicate that with of like, Hey, this is like, this is training. This is just as much training as your other stuff was. In fact, I probably needed to do this with you first anyway, but now I actually get to do it. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah, like putting yeah. a different spin on it because it's easy to be like, woe is me. And yeah, I'm not going to train until after the you know, pandemic is over. And it's like, that's not a good idea. I know that's for sure. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I think I see so many coaches who take that, that, that approach don't they, they say like, Oh, we need to step to like take five steps back before we even start working on what your actual goals are. And here's a load of things we need to work on. And I think that's great. But how many people want to do that or, or actually going to commit to that process of like, we're going to, for the next six months, do stuff that's incredibly boring. You're not really going to enjoy a lot of it, but it's probably beneficial. Whereas now it's kind of enforced, isn't it? So it's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, we're taking all the stuff we probably should have been doing. And now you are actually having to do it. So it's setting you up better, I think, then to go back into whatever you're going to be doing in terms of like lifting weights or. For sure. It's a great preparatory like phase for whatever you're going to go into next, you know, um, especially if it's programmed, you know, appropriately and, you know, um, I, I think the mistake would be to just hammer people with, you know, high rep, you know, poorly performed plyometrics like burpees or, you know, like things of that nature. But I think if it's if it's dosed appropriately for the person in front of you and it's just enough to kind of keep you in the game, then, yeah, I think it's uh, a great way to spend, you know, for some people, six months to a year, you know, before resuming with the barbell again, you know. Yeah, certainly. I think we yeah, are. So um, we're probably at a little, about time there in terms of uh, the hour. But is there, I'm going to steal a question from James Serbian, uh, Rebel Performance. Like, is there anything in terms of like resources that you've um, looked at or, or have uh, kind of found over the last six, 12 months that you think is really helpful? Maybe from a coach's perspective, mm -hmm. but then maybe from like a client athlete perspective as well mm, yeah, let me uh let me think about this one i'm trying to so i mean i've actually been reading i have it right here because i'm like flipping through it again i'm actually rereading anti-fragile from uh nasim taleb i think that's just an important book i think the first time i read it was almost five years ago now um i actually like read it on my honeymoon so i probably wasn't in the right frame of mind and really like grasp a lot of the concepts and i've kind of since i've gone through back and forth but now i'm like really committing to rereading that thing um, I found it quite, quite
quite tough to read. Like it's, it's not the easiest to read. Yeah, I, I actually think it's more digestible in smaller chunks, you know, kind of like what I'm doing with my training. Like so that's why I literally have it by me. So I'll pick up a page, I'll kind of skip, you know, read through it. I'll I'll even like jot down notes or something. And I'm kind of like really taking my time through it. But um, I found that to be re- uh, a really important book, uh, just kind of seeing it through a different lens again. Um, in terms of training, um, man, I'm, uh, let's see. You know, I, I always, I, I like to reread a lot of things. So I, I'm, I mentioned to you, what was it, last week or so, we were going, being the science of running from Steve Magnus conditioning book and you don't have to be a runner to appreciate it but really delving into Magnus's uh kind of philosophy of, of training and how he views kind of periodization in particular and um really found it insightful not only for working with runners and endurance athletes but just how to view training as a whole and kind of it's had me make some like subtle like shifts in perspective in that regard um I would say those are the big two right now in turn um if there's anything else, like I'm always, like I, I'm reading uh, Joel Smith's um, speed strength book right now. Uh, just kind of like going through it again, actually. That's a fantastic resource for anybody who's interested in not only speed, but I think just uh, overall athleticism and just understanding how to kind of fit some of these pieces of the puzzle together. Again, from a different perspective, I think Joel has a really interesting way of looking at training. Um, he has more of that holistic view that we talked about. It's less about X's and O's and more about looking at the person. So I really appreciate, um, his approach and, um, Hmm. What else recently? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. You know, I'm, I, I'm kind of always <laughs> like a handful of different books, much to my, uh, wife's chagrin because <laughs> there's like piles of books everywhere always. Cause I'm never just like working on one thing. Um, I always have multiple books going around and I used to kind of like think that was a bad thing. Like, Oh, I have to sit down and read one book, but I just accepted that that's how I am. And that's how I like to learn. And if I'm not enjoying how I learn, then why the hell would I do it? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think I'm always reading at least like two books. (laughs) And, and, oh, and obviously uh, Pat Davidson's rethinking the big patterns, you know, like when that came out in December, picked that up right away. And, you know, kind of made my way through it and making my way through it slowly again. I mean, I was lucky enough to see him speak a couple of times. So that's been a really pivotal model for me. Um, I, I think that's something that everybody could gain at least something from on some level as a, as a coach, wherever you are in your kind of along your coaching journey. I think it, yeah, it, it, some people can gain a lot from that. Yeah. I think it definitely requires a little bit of um, like, you gotta have been in a game for a little bit, you know what I mean? To understand some of the concepts and, I think he's definitely speaking to an audience of people that he's probably been speaking to for the last couple of years. You know what I mean? So like, if you're, if you kind of find yourself in that camp, you know, him, Bill Hartman, Kyle Dot, like you're probably familiar with that language. If you're not, I think it can be challenging, but I, uh, I appreciate his perspective. I mean, just I mean, the, the work that's gone into that thing over the last couple of years, kind of seeing it unfold has been really cool. So yeah, that, that's obviously yeah. in terms of 2021 that that rings up there uh, for sure yeah certainly last thing then where can people find you if you want to be found um i know you obviously got sort of some programs and stuff feel free to yeah um let me know. i'll stick all the show notes and links for those down below as well awesome yeah you can find me on uh, instagram at dustin labelle so d-u-s-t-i-n-l-e-b-e-l um Find me on there. Uh, I have links to like programming and my newsletter. Really, if you know you want to, I have a blog, but I don't really update the blog. It's just I just write to my newsletter, and it allows <laughs> newsletter is great. So I, I definitely um I definitely learn a lot from it. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, and I just you know I tend to just sit down in the morning, and if I have a thought, I'll just put it out there, or I might like rehash something I maybe said on social media or whatever. But for me, that's just like a way of practicing writing and, and getting ideas out there. And sometimes it's not always that good or, or well edited, I should say, but um, I don't care. Like I just, it's to, for me, it's an exercise in thinking and thinking out loud and putting pen to paper and, you know, being able to come on a show like this and be able to talk about it, you know? So yeah, my Instagram, sign up for my newsletter. I have some group training and stuff that that's available um, if anybody's interested, but feel free to, 
you know, slide in my DMs, ask me any questions, and I'll be happy to answer those. Awesome, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for making some time to, to come on. Okay, guys, that's it for another episode of the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. Check below for all the relevant links and notes from today's episode or search for us on social media at Apex Delta Coaching. Just one quick thing before you go. If you're a recreational athlete or fitness enthusiast who wants to get stronger and run longer, then check out the free seven-day hybrid blueprint we've put together by following the link in the show notes or search for our Instagram. It's an ebook designed to help you put together the ultimate weekly training template to crush your hybrid training goals by getting stronger and running longer at the same time without any of the confusion. Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review or let us know personally. Any and all feedback is really greatly appreciated and helps to grow the podcast further. Thanks for listening. Keep training and talk soon.